You are listening to the Downtown Larned Podcast, the podcast where we aim to cultivate vision for the future of downtown Larned. We are so grateful to have you join us this week. Let's get started. Hey guys, Landon here. Welcome back to the Downtown Larned Podcast. Really excited to have you on this week. I am excited because we have Donna Meyer with Meyer Deli. on with us today. We'll get to her recording here in a second, but a little background on her and her business. She owned and operated Meyer Deli in downtown on 902 Broadway. You can Google that. It's a respiratory uh, location now, but uh, from 2005 to 2015, give or take, she owned and operated one of the most successful restaurants in, in Larned. Um, so today we're going to dive in a little bit more into her story, how uh, she started, um, some of the challenges of, of owning her own business, but also the successes as well, and why she ended up uh, closing the door. So tune in for the whole episode, and I uh, hope you pull value from it. All right, here it is. Welcome back to the Downtown Lauded Podcast. We've got a cold, rainy day, and I am joined here with... Miss Meyer. So, so excited to have you. Um, you're just in, you're just in State Farm one day, and I said, you know what? You ran a successful business, Meyer Meyer Deli. Correct. For ten ten or so years. Ten years. Ten ten years exact. And we need to have you on the podcast. So you thought about it, gave me a call, and he said, I'll do it. <laughs> so so excited to have you on. I think there's so much that we can learn. Um, from from your experience, uh, a successful business in Larned um, back in the day. So, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining me. So, Donna, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what what brought you to Larned from the from the get go? We moved here with my family in 1964. I was 13, okay. and kind of just stayed because we moved around a lot as kids. And I put my roots down here and decided this is where I was going to stay and raise my kids. So I had three children that went to school up here at the high school and everything, graduated. Sure. So. And current current day, you're known for your cinnamon rolls. I know everybody knows Meyer Meyer cinnamon rolls. Correct. Correct. So you have those at the farmer's, are you at the farmer's market pretty much every? We're at the farmer's market at Hillside. Okay. And summer's. Well, after we closed down the deli, I think I took a break for maybe three years yeah. and wasn't doing anything like that. And I thought, well, I'm going to try doing the cinnamon roll thing. So we started out up at the community garden, okay. and we were up there for three years mm-hmm. and then moved up to Hillside, the farmer's market, which has really taken off. It's it's amazing how busy I'm up to making anywhere from nine to ten dozen cinnamon rolls, and selling them a week. I I make them on Friday, sell them on Saturday. Really, nine to ten dozen. And one Saturday, I, it was just crazy. Um, I'd made nine dozen and sold out of them in eighteen minutes. <laughs> and I I looked at Ed and I go, well, that was fun. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it was just crazy. People yeah. were just. They had company or something, and they were just buying them up like crazy. But sure. well, and it it's a lot of work. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. When perfection takes takes work, doesn't it? So 
I it's that might give you a hint that that uh, Lord of Misses uh, Meyer Deli. I still go to the grocery store, and every once in a while, it's like, when are you going to open up the deli again? Like, I, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. So that that gives us a good segue into uh, into Meyer Deli. Um, tell us to actually. I, I went there when I was I was pretty young, but how long is it? How long ago did you close the doors? It will be ten years, August second. Ten years ago. The, the uh, uh, this yes. Okay. We were open for ten years, mm-hmm. and we closed on our ten year anniversary. Okay. So, it was kind of interesting that we decided we couldn't get any help, yeah. and because the one gal lady that worked for us went to work out state hospital so we tried to get some help and it just nobody really was desirable that we won't you know to do what we did because everything was made homemade all from scratch and ed said well if we're going to do that we thought about just doing breakfast which we could do because my grandson was helping us at that time so we could handle breakfast so he said, well, if we're going to do that, let's just put it up for sale. Because yeah. we had talked about it years ago when I got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting to be a lot of work sure. and hard on us. Sure. So we put it up for sale and it sold in three days, the building. Wow. So it was God telling us that this was what we needed to do. Sure. Well, that's that's one of the most interesting things about the story of the deli is that um, a, lot, a lot of times, you know, if a business closes up in Florida, um, uh, because it was unsuccessful, but that's the absolute opposite. No, we were, we were, yeah, we were very successful. And I, I think it probably if I bought a building and hung out a sign, Meyer Deli, I'd probably be swamped. Yeah, right. And it was interesting. The first day we were open, I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And we didn't even advertise that we were opening. Really? Other than we turned the light on and said we were open. They were lined up in the store all the way. It so was just crazy. We've talked about, we've approached it from the back end. We talked about the closing about 10 years ago. Um, but tell us about the front end. How did, how did you, you said that you were in the restaurant industry before, right? I started out at the Berg okay. as a car hop back when I was 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I got married, left town, come back. And then I started working at the Harvest Inn. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for, oh, I'm not sure how many years. But then I was divorced, remarried. But anyway, um, it, I think I had good teachers to what needed to be done in a restaurant business. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped it help by working at the Berg. Um, Aura Cavender was the lady that managed the Berg for Mr. Filer. Okay. And then Margaret Corbett was the owner of the Harvest Inn. Okay. And Frances McBee, who used to work at Max Cafe, which is right behind where Simmons and Simmons, that little brown building, okay. used to be a little restaurant. Yeah. And he worked up at the Harvest Inn. And he... He didn't know what leftovers were. I mean, he used everything. Yeah. And Francis McBee is Paula Carr's dad. Oh, okay, sure. But he was a treasure. Sure. So 
it really helped me having mentors. Yeah. And then I worked at the bank for 20, First National Bank for 20 years, I think might have helped me on the financial part of it. Because I really, I don't have above a high school education. And so what I learned was school of hard knocks, I guess, just what to do and how to maintain. But as far as the whole keeping the business going, I don't think I would have made it in COVID because of the type of business we had. It was walk-in business. And I had really, as far as figuring out how to do the carry, I mean. It was your your home cooking, you know, handshaking, Type, type of business to where you knew the people and the people knew you. And I think, you know, that's not just Meyer Deli um, that would have struggled. It's it's the restaurant industry as a whole because it's so relational-based and, and experience-based. Um, I, I think that's really impacted. But luckily, a lot of our restaurants in, in Larned have, have survived and are, are thriving. Um, so I take it, what, what was the day like that you decided – to start a business, probably. So you had never owned a business before. So had never started a business. No. What What was that? It's so interesting that you decided to make a jump into business ownership and the restaurant industry. To add on to that. We'd had one rental property, and we were looking to invest in another one. So we were looking at houses, and I told the realtor, I said, "What I'd really like to do." is open up a little coffee shop and make my cinnamon rolls and sell them. So she said, well, there's a few places in town we can look at, but she knew that the the quick shop building had been closed down for, I don't think there'd been anybody in there for years. And describe that location. Um, it's the old quick shop building, right? Right. It's on 9th and, and Broadway. Broadway. Right. So what's, what's across the street from that? Um, currently it is the... Uh, medical device is, is that what's it's that? Western Respiratory. Western Respiratory. So if you Google that, that's where uh, we're referencing. Right. But it's on Broadway, just a little right, bit. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. But um, I don't know. It was just a weird thing. So she got a hold of the gentleman that owned the building. Lives in Oklahoma, Blackwell, Oklahoma, and he'd been sitting on that building on that property for years. And it was a mess inside. Oh, my goodness. We gutted it. We tore down all the ceilings. And I think every time Quick Shop did a renovation of changing wiring or changing their hoses, they left everything up in the ceiling. So it was just it was just crazy. We totally um, rewired it, replumbed it, added a bathroom, and it was kind of interesting. I took off all the shingles on the roof. And somebody said I was the best entertainment on Broadway for a while. <laughs> Up there taking off those shingles. But it was also the record of the most consecutive 100 days that summer. And I'm up there 112, whatever degree. Heat, heat up. Peeling off shingles. But wow. anyway, most almost everything we did to that building, my husband, Ed, yeah. and family members helped us do it. Yeah. Well, that's... That, if I could describe the situation with downtown buildings right now, it'd be pretty much exactly that. Of out of out of state building owners who, or just not engaged building owners um, who have rundown properties, and um, it, it takes a commitment to 
reach out to that person, track them down, um, make an offer that's worth their time for whatever reason. They, they don't want to get rid of it. And then put in the work to redo it and get it up to snuff. And the restaurant industry has rigorous rigorous standards. So so I can only imagine what you had to jump through to get that up to code. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Um, and another thing we did when we had the equipment I went to a lot of auctions. Hmm. There wasn't anything in that building that was other than my little stove yeah. that was new. Wow. And then my prep table where we fixed the sandwiches. But we went to a lot of auctions and just bought the equipment cheaper. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why it was easier for us sure. is because we did the work. And that's what you have to do. You have to be the one that does the work. You can't hire somebody yeah. to come in and then pay them and then expect to get yourself paid. Sure. So just in our short conversation so far, looking back, you ran a successful business, highly successful, very well-respected business um, in Larned and um, in, the indus- in the industry that is known for not succeeding, honestly, the restaurant industry, which is which is a tough tough go about. What I've, what I've learned from you so far is – you didn't just jump into a hobby. Um, it was your hobby of, of making, like you said, you wanted to make cinnamon rolls um, and sell coffee. It ended up being a lot more than that, it sounds like. But um, the, in the years leading up to that, um, you gained experience on, on the financial side, working in a bank, um, learning the ins and outs of finances, which is huge, of course, but then also the ins and outs of a restaurant. So you didn't go necessarily maybe it felt like you were going in blind but uh in retrospect you, you know you had a lot of experience that equipped you for a successful career um as a business owner i think though plus i had a lot of determination yeah. it's like i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. so yeah. sure so on the logistical side of things I, i've always been curious where where do restaurants get their where did you get your your materials from your, your ingredients we got stuff from Ebco, and then we got from Cisco, okay. and we went into Sam's a lot and got paper goods, mm-hmm. went to Dillon's, went to Walmart. I just shopped for prices. Yeah, okay. Because so, I, I, I didn't know if, if one day I'd just be seeing uh, at whenever Edward Street opened up. I didn't know if I'd just be in there and, and seeing those owners uh, in Dillon's or what or how that all worked. I, I assume that there's a wholesaler involved but to me if i was at starting a restaurant that would, those would be the questions that i that i'd have of the lack of contacts of how does that logistically uh work so i was looking forward to asking that question well well luckily if you have good sales reps yeah. which i did yeah. helped me out told me what good products yeah. and then i think my biggest secret was hudson cream flour really that's the only flour i ever ever used and for the listeners who don't know, Hudson Cream Flour is just a few miles away, produced. Correct. A few miles away, local local wheat, grinded up, and it's in Hudson, Kansas, which is about and it 30 is minutes. By far, yeah. yeah. It's by far the best wow. flour. It's just has a texture that's unreal. So, Donna, in regards to products, what was your most popular products? And by the way, if you go to our Facebook uh, page, you'll see she brought some old menus so if you're looking you're, if you're looking for an old time sake of getting your mouth watering um, go check out you'll get a feel for for the business but what were your most 
popular products? Well, when we were just doing sandwiches, I think some of the unusual, like the turkey cranberry or the one that I had a veggie sandwich, we started out with 14 different kinds of sandwiches. And when we closed, we had 23 different kinds of sandwiches from just from people wanting something different. And with having five different kinds of bread, I mean, you could make all kinds of crazy combinations for a sandwich. So what ended up, once you added on breakfast and added on these, these different menu items and broadened the menu, what ended up being the most profitable? And what made you the most money per, per menu item? Cinnamon rolls. Really? Okay, yeah. So, so uh, I, I guess I probably could have guessed that since you're still selling cinnamon rolls. <laughs> They're a good moneymaker, yeah. but you have to make them good. To, right. But the price of them, from what we started out, but just due to the price of what, you know, everything's went up. Yeah, right. And in regards to the restaurant industry, what the consistency seems like it's the key, you know, of, of being, you look at you look at even Subway, for crying out loud, you know, not necessarily a, a mom-and-pop shop, but, you know, you can, you can hold true to their hours. You know, I, I know that I can go to lunch, it might be busy, busier than, than I'll get out, but Subway's going to be open. So what what were your, what did you find were um, the best hours to be open, um, and what were the busiest days generally? Well, we started from 7 to 3, which we pretty much continued with. But then one thing we went through was all the businesses, restaurants in town that closed down. The Harvest Inn, I don't know if people know what the Harvest Inn is that. Yeah, it's uh by the car dealership. Right? Correct. It's got a blue roof right now. And um, the Dondo closed down. Yeah. The Berg closed down. The Burgateria, which is now the Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we had to change because people were wanting, they didn't have any place to go get breakfast. Yeah. So we started doing breakfast. And I think maybe that. My husband says, well, the breakfast burrito was their favorite. So, you know, we're going to go with that. And But the sandwiches, we had the Philly Swiss. We just had so many varieties. It just depended on the person of what they were looking for. Sure. So your competition started closing up or, or different options started closing up. And as a business owner yourself, you started seeing needs and, and wanted to fill that. So you, I'm sure the transition between just sandwiches and breakfast, that's a, that's a completely different uh, setup as far as restaurant goes. So um, you, had to, you had to make quite a few adjustments, I'm sure, in that process as well. Right. We had two panini grills that we would grill, like grill a sandwich. Right. So we used those um, to bank the burritos. But, yeah, it was a lot of adjusting in the hours. I am not a morning person. And the coffee drinkers go, why don't you open up earlier? So we were starting. I'd have to get up at 5 o'clock. We'd get there at 6, get the cinnamon rolls and stuff going, and open at 7. So we never did change our opening time, Mm -hmm. even though they tried. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. But... And we were busy almost all. The only really break for them was from ten thirty to eleven between breakfast and lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we weren't that busy. And open all throughout the week. Closed on Sundays. Or we started being closed on Sunday and Monday, and then we just went to Sunday. Okay. 
so we were open Monday through Saturday. Okay. So as a business owner, if you're if you're looking back on the experience, uh, having gone through that highs and lows, um, what would you have done differently? I don't think I'd done anything different because it was a, a success. I can't complain on how. Let me ask you this: What was the? What did you learn in your time from the beginning to the end? What, how how steep was that learning curve, and what do you wish you would have known originally that you picked up on later on? It was hard work because <laughs> yeah. I did all the taxes. I did everything, yeah. and that's the other thing is. If you're going to have a business, you've got to pay the taxes. Hmm. You've got to pay Uncle Sam because he's not very kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean he doesn't just uh, write her off uh, if you don't if you don't pay? No. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that was that was interesting. I did the payroll. I mean, it's just I think yeah. that's where all the financial stuff come in. Yeah, that that is I can speak to that. Um, I so I went to Fort Hay State and got a finance degree. Um, and now, of course, running running State Farm, and and so numbers are my thing. I really, I really enjoy just tracking um, tracking investments and that sort of thing. But uh, you know, I start start a business with State Farm, and all of a sudden you're in the day to day of managing people and and trying to grow, and you don't you don't. It's not at your forefront of your mind that you have to run payroll. Um, you have to keep your books in line. And uh, to me, that's the most exciting part. I really like keeping books. But when you don't have time because you're, 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 in your case, making sandwiches and feeding people, um, I think that that is the biggest surprise for a lot of people who, who consider themselves hobbyists and say, I, I think I want to start a business. There's a lot that comes to it whenever you're actually starting a business you don't actually realize. And the other thing in a town this size, it is hard to get help. Yeah. Because, like, our place, our hours weren't that many hours, you know, and we could only pay what we could pay. Mm -hmm. So trying to get good help. But I had a lot of high school kids, and they, I think by far they were some of my best help that have went on to be successful. One of them's a doctor. Wow. And, you know, just things, watching these kids grow up. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I, I think we're going to transition on to uh, a quick se- segment. Usually this segment takes up a lot more time. But um, for you, uh, the Brick Basics, so all about your building. Why did you, was that just what was available at the time? Like you said with the realtor, that's why you chose that location? Or what, what led you to... Was it always the goal to get on Broadway or downtown? Yeah, it was always, that was our plan. Mm-hmm. But there was a couple of other buildings in town that were available that did not fit what we wanted to do. And then that building just happened to, yeah. thank goodness I had a good realtor and she worked on it. And yeah. So if you were to start a bit at the deli right now, what location would you, what would be the most ideal location for a deli right now in 902 Broadway. <laughs> her her, her uh, old location, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I listened to the podcast from Scraps. I think she's got a good location, too. Yeah. And she's done wonders. Yeah. She really has. She's yeah. done, she's adapted. Mm-hmm. She's done an excellent job. Similar story, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I believe, I, I guess, 
I believe she started off just as coffee. Um, yeah, in in her in her uh, episode, she said, you know, we knew that we had to adjust beyond coffee, um, and from the get go, she was into scrapbooking. So, you want to talk about adjusting as well? That's that's kind of the name of the game. It sounds like is I think she she opened three years after we did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and both thriving businesses. So. What's interesting when we sold our stuff, she bought our little um, display counter thing that we had okay. our cinnamon rolls and yeah. donuts and stuff and stuff like that in and it came from the burgeteria okay so it's went from the burg yeah. to the deli to scraps some pretty iconic business <laughs> <laughs> and who did you end up selling selling to um kansas res- western kansas respiratory okay okay and they're there today so yep um i actually haven't ever haven't ever been that into their uh, shop there, but maybe maybe that's a cue that I need to add them on the podcast. But they were looking at other buildings okay. in town. There was like two other buildings they were looking at also downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it was a good fit for them. Sure. Like I said, that segment was going to be short. Um, let's move on to Broadway Vitals, all about our downtown as a whole. So this is more so from, uh, we can pull from your experience as a business owner, um, but also as a citizen, um, just a, a community member and, and your uh, your viewpoint of, of downtown. I've done this segment a few times, but it's called Cut the Crud. <laughs> um, and yes or no answers only. Okay. okay. So visually, is our downtown appealing right now? No. Okay. Uh, we, we have that answer quite, quite a bit, so don't worry. <laughs> um, is our downtown thriving right now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate the I appreciate the yes and no. I, I think that is maybe a maybe, but correct. <laughs> um, historically speaking, is our downtown trending in the right direction? Yes. Okay. Um, are you proud of our downtown? Yes. Does our downtown stand out? No. <laughs> Do we have this? Is the last question. So you're going to be off the bubble after this one. Do we have the right pieces in place for revitalization of our downtown to make it special? Yes. Okay. Well, that's very good. Yeah, I, I get to that point because we can easily get lost in, um, you know, being overly negative or overly positive. Um, I like the cut the crud segment because it kind of just gets down to the nitty-gritty without all the fluff, where are we at? And um, I, Most people agree that, uh, yeah, there's, we're, we are proud of our downtown. But we think that there's a lot more that's out there for us. There's a lot of stores downtown that are really working hard yeah. Yeah. to get things going. Yeah. And that, I I started making a list of people that I wanted to reach out to still. So at this point in time, we've got probably about 25 episodes in total. So 17 have been posted. So 25 episodes, and I really got down to the nitty-gritty of, you know, who – who do we need to speak with? And, and as I started going through the businesses in downtown, we have a lot of businesses downtown. They just aren't all retail. Um, we, have, we have few retail uh, customer-facing businesses, but um, we, we do have a lot of businesses, which I've been encouraged with. So, um, Okay, so uh, spitballers, all about the future. Um, what do you think the city can do to help the presentation of our well, one thing the city helped us do, there was a, not, I think it was a grant 
low income, I think it was like $15,000 that we applied for and were eligible for Mm -hmm. that helped pay some of our expenses. So I think there needs to be more money available for startups to figure out some kind of grant or Mm -hmm. incentive. So was that $15,000 grant? from the city or was it from you know the city kind of conducted the application for you they my understanding was of course that's been 20 years ago mm-hmm. and it was from the city of Larned, who's where i went in to apply for it okay. and they're the one that gave me the money and they're the one i took the payments to sure. so yeah and in that situation you know we we had a successful business in downtown Larned, so that speaks for itself um i, I do think that there's opportunity for that um, so as a as a taxpayer, so that's that is the interesting thing is everybody wants to see um, improvements of downtown, but the logistics behind that is not just a magical wish that, that we wish and, and snap our fingers and it happens. It takes money. Now whether that where that comes from, whether it be, be grants or um, it, it can come from taxes. Um, I don't think the city wants to do that, um, but. As a taxpayer, would you like to see the city invest into our downtown, or do we have bigger f- issues to face? I think we need to invest in downtown because the more business we get, the more money we get coming in, the more money there's going to be in the community. Yeah. I, I think you're. I think you hit it on the head because we've become so complacent with um, downtown underperforming in regards to. Um, in regards to the, its potential of, of bringing in business, it, do, it does a great job for what we have. Um, but I think that we can really put gas on the, on the flames that we have and, and see an influx of outside dollars coming in if we create an experience downtown. Because how many, I'm, I'm curious with uh, Mirardelli, how, how much of your business was outside business? Was it a lot local or were you drawing people? We got a lot of people going through town. In, in fact, that once they came in, they kept coming back. A lot of with snowbirds. This is the route of the snowbirds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of them, we had a group from over in Great Bend that were they called themselves the Romeos. They were elderly men. There was about twelve of them, and they'd go to different places every Thursday, and eat. And so just word of mouth, yeah. but a lot of the local. We definitely relied sure. on the local. But, yeah. but you drew in business at the same time, outside dollars. But it was interesting. We had a book that people from out of town signed. Mm-hmm. In fact, we filled up two little books, and we had a map mm-hmm. that people pinned on the map. And when we closed down, we took down the map, and there was over 2,000 pins. Really? It was wow. just amazing. We waited forever to get Rhode Island, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so cool. I You said... You said about the snowbirds and, and being in the in the traveling path as the snowbirds and the migration path, um, you know that's a big path. So it's not like Larned is the only is the only location. So those people have a have a lot of options, you know. And what makes them come back is the experience. A lot of times it's the host, uh, the actual the, the actual hunting host that, that hosts them. But a lot of times that would have been it. That would have been it. Okay. <laughs> I was back in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, on, on the flip side, is it's got to be an enjoyable experience. You know, a, a big big city guys coming to rural Kansas, they're looking for an experience and, and that hometown feel, and that's exactly what Mardelli did. 
interesting story about that. We had a lot of hunters, and um, my husband's sister lived in Indiana, and he ran across some guy, and they was talking about. I got talking about the death somehow. He goes, "Oh yeah, that's the place we used to go. They would come from Indiana." go hunting and they'd stop at the deli and so my brother-in-law got the hoodie because we were closed and he no longer had a place to go when he come out and went hunting so it's just you know you wouldn't expect something that far back and somebody in indiana Mm -hmm. confronting family member that the deli wasn't open anymore (laughs) but they're gonna have to come to the farmer's market and another thing at one time they were talking about closing down broadway this highway to truck traffic Mm -hmm. to me that's a mistake because people follow the trucks where the truck goes people people follow people follow because that's usually the best roads sure yeah that's that's a good point yeah i know that i haven't dove into that too much but yeah it wasn't that long ago where they were trying to divert traffic from broadway and i you know I, i think it was pretty popular opinion to not have that happen uh, like you're saying but at the same time i could i can see where a point would be presented because i sit in i sit in state farm at the back of my office and it rattles my floors that's probably true but (laughs) but you know like you say that the the pro of it is there's a lot of traffic coming through well example of it when they i don't know what they were doing they had it closed one saturday and Broadway, yeah. we were dead. Yeah. Wow. So, because everybody was going down Trail Street, sure. so it just shows that shows how dependent you are on traffic. People come down this road. Yeah. Coming in on on our last few questions here, um, I'm curious. I, I think I know the answer. You've already mentioned it, but. Uh, maybe not yourself, because I know you aren't getting back in the, the restaurant business, but can a deli be successful in Florida today, considering that really we've had a lot of uh, restaurants pop up here um, and, and soon a few more to come? Can Is there opportunity for success? If it's ran right. Yeah. If you've got a good product, mm-hmm. people, yeah. That's that's what I've been hanging my, hanging my hat on is if you are filling needs – then you are going to have a successful business, right? If if, if your if your product is good and it and it fills um, a big enough uh, need for people, in its most basic sense, you're going to be successful when you did that well. On the flip side, if you aren't, then you aren't going to be successful. No, because <laughs> you can't hi- you can't hire everybody to work and not work yourself. Would you do it over again? And part two of the question: Do you wish you started earlier? Yes, I do it over again, and I think the timing was just right. So, wow. and finally, what advice would you give a young entrepreneur looking to start their own restaurant? Be willing to work really hard and put in a lot of hours. Yeah, I love what you do if, if you're going to work that hard for it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, Donna, it's been a pleasure having you on. I know that. Um, I mean, how can we not learn from, from a successful business and, and uh, one that, like I said, is, is so well-respected? Um, we appreciate all, all that you've done for the community and uh, appreciate your time as well. Thank you.
it went better than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I, I hope to, I like to think that I'm easy to talk to. Although my wife says that I talk too much on the podcast, which I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Am I just supposed to sit there and nod my head? But <laughs> so, all right, guys, that will be it for this week. Hope you have a great rest of your week. God bless. Bye. We want to thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Downtown Learner Podcast. We hope that this episode has both blessed and encouraged you. If you haven't yet, go like our Facebook page and leave a comment with your biggest thoughts and takeaways from this week's episode. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.